Hey there, welcome to the Dressage with Amelia podcast, where it's all about breaking things down and helping you learn to love your ride. I'm your host, Amelia Newcomb. These sessions are recordings from my Facebook Live, where I answer as many questions as I can from my audience. I hope you enjoy this episode where I answer your questions about dressage. Please help me out and share this with a friend who also rides horses. Go. Hello, everyone. Hi. We're I have there. a special guest yeah, tonight. Special. Read to me very slowly. Very special guest. Um, we have a lot to cover. We have uh, a few controversial topics. Let's see. This is my list here. Um, we want to talk about groundwork. We're going to talk about the CDS symposium. We're going to talk about riding with other trainers. We're going to talk about my stressful day yesterday. What else should we talk about? Uh, that seems like plenty. <laughs> oh, there's a few questions we're going to answer. Let's see if we even get to all of that. Yes. Okay. What should we start with? Um, the other trainer part? The other trainer part. Oh, yeah. I think we... Okay. So we were having a debate today. Oh, good. There's already 21 people. So we were having a debate today about, um, you know, should you ride with other trainers versus should you stay loyal to your own trainer? And I think that this is kind of a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a controversial issue, but I think it's something that's good to talk about. And I think that there's a balance because it's important that you stay committed to a trainer and to a system until you're at a certain level of proficiency with your horse. But at some point, getting some different inputs and opinions can be really helpful because sometimes someone will say the same thing just in a little bit of a different way. And it can just kind of turn on that light bulb for you. What's your opinion? Yeah, I agree. In the beginning, in the beginning, too many chefs spoil the soup. Yes. Right. You know, everybody's familiar with that saying too many chefs spoil the soup. So before you know a lot, you know, you hear from this and then it can seem contradictory and you don't get it. And so then it's very confusing. So until you've got a solid, in my mind, second level, getting more information can be confusing. But then after that, <clears throat> Sure. You know, uh, you take what you like, you leave the rest. Some things are going to work. Some things aren't going to work. Um, I prefer that my students go with people that I respect and think a lot of that I would go ride with that. I like the way their horses go. I see a lot of horses go and I'm not in love with the way they go. And I wouldn't want my students to go ride with those trainers. Uh, but there are a lot of good trainers out there. Yeah. And every trainer has their strengths and their weaknesses and things that they're good at explaining and training and other things that they aren't as good at. Um, but I definitely think that it's like, as like, we're both trainers and when you have students, you invest a lot of time and like, you care about your students. And so if they like go behind your back and don't tell you and start riding with other people, sometimes it's hard not to, but that, that makes a question mark in your mind. Like, why yeah. wouldn't you say that you were yeah. doing it? That, that always makes me wonder. So I think the best is to just be upfront with your trainer and just say, you know, hey, I want to go to this clinic. 
And not because I don't respect you or I don't value what you're saying, but sometimes just getting that different perspective and have your trainer involved, have your trainer come and watch. And um, a lot of times I like it because they'll go to a clinician and the clinician will say the same thing that I say to them. But sometimes when they hear it in a different way or when they hear it from someone else, then they're like, oh, okay. If, if someone else is telling me the same thing, then it must be true. Because there is that element to all of what we do. Um, I've heard it called barn blind, right? Yeah. You get barn blind. Um, the other one is familiarity breeds contempt. And so, you know, we have to always be inspired and, uh, and revisit and renew it and and going and hearing the same things out of another mouth it really does help yeah and i think you know i like i've ridden with a lot of different trainers and they've all taught me something different that i that i really value like for example um christine trarig we've both ridden a lot with her and she's a genius at just getting the horses supple getting the horses through I mean, she's, I haven't found anyone that's as good as she is at that. And, um, Another group. yeah. And I've ridden with some other trainers like, um, Juan Matuda, he's and, um, Morton Thompson, they like really specialize in the Piaf massage training. And so that was really good. Some trainers, um, like Sue Martin, I rode a lot with her. She focuses a lot on rider position. And so every trainer, you can, once you get to that level of proficiency, then you can start to a little bit pick and choose. But it's really important when you're riding with a new trainer that you have enough confidence in yourself and in your horse that even though you're trying a new approach, that you don't completely like confuse your horse. You right. You have to bring what you know. You have to bring your experience to bear. You you know yeah. your horse. You've been riding it. You know the horse better than the next person who just sees it. So you have to bring that to the table. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, I, I definitely think that you can learn something from, from anybody for sure. Yeah. And my best advice, though, like Herman was saying, if you want to go ride with a new trainer or if you want to go to clinic, Go and watch them teach, watch them ride their horses, get to know them a little bit and have a sense of whether you like what you're seeing before you put yourself in that situation. Because it's it's hard once you're in a lesson, you know, you have to kind of listen to what they say. And so it's like I'm always if someone asks me, oh, do you want to come ride with so and so? I say, well, can I can I come watch the first time? And then if I like it, then, yeah, I'll ride. I'll try it. And a lot of times after a clinic. I take what works for me and the other stuff is just like, okay, well maybe that will work on a different horse at a different time, something like that. So pick and choose what you like from every trainer. Yes. That's why there's 31 flavors of Baskin and Robbins. Yes. Okay. Next thing on my list, uh, for those of you guys in my groundwork course, you probably don't know this. We're doing what we call a pole release challenge. We're giving away like a bridle for the prize. So what people have to do is they have to show us how well they can get their horse to drop their head down. Your favorite exercise. 
I told that story, didn't I, about you and my horse? Yes, yeah. you told that story. You guys will have to watch. We always make these into podcasts. So check out my podcast. It's Dressage with Amelia. About where I was absolutely not putting the pole down and didn't yes. care. But getting your horse to put their head down is such an essential, important tool. And so in the Groundwork Masterclass, we're doing a challenge. And so many people have entered. There was this one person that was like playing the flute to her horse and getting her horse to put the head down when she would start playing the flute. And then there was this other person that was holding up like a, you know, like a pole that you would trot over, like a tall wooden pole. Yeah. And then her pole release was she dropped the pole and the pole fell down and her horse just stood there. <laughs> clever. That's clever. So I think she wins the, um, the award for that. Okay. Next thing on my list is, okay. So yesterday I had kind of this crazy day. One of my dear friends and supporters, Sue Wells, I got news that she passed away and it was, it was sad because Sue was just such a wonderful person. When I first came to California, she was one of my earliest clients and she had a little barn. She built an arena and she was just super generous about letting me ride my horses in her arena, letting me have a few clients and boarders there. Um, and she was just like the most selfless, generous person. One thing that I'll never forget about Sue is that when she would ride, she would get really emotional if the horse would do something for her. She had a horse, yeah. um, Picasso. Picasso. So Herman had a client that had a very nice horse. His name is Picasso. He did pretty much all the Grand Prix and um, he had an injury. And so for his current owner, she wanted to do the Grand Prix. He couldn't do the Grand Prix anymore. So they gave him to Sue Wells. And Sue loves that horse. And, and she I took care of him. She did right by him. Yeah, she took care of him. And um, he's still alive. So they're figuring yeah. out what to What's, do. Because she's got a couple. Yeah. But um, she moved up to Canada. Yeah, she moved up to Canada. But I just remember, she, like, the first time she did flying changes on that horse, or when she did the passage, she would just stop and she would, like, literally start crying and just be in tears about the gift that the horses gave to her. And I think that that's something that we take for granted and we forget is just how magical it can feel when your horse gives you that gift. Like when you do a flying change or when you have that little moment of harmony or connection with your horse. And that was one thing that Sue always, you know, she just loved to ride and she loved the horses and she was very, um, you know, just she recognized those gifts that sometimes I think we all take for granted. So there was a lot of joy that she had with the horses. Yeah, a lot of joy. And she was also like just such a generous person. Um, she always wanted to help out and supportive and just she loved dressage and she loved like to see the horses perform, to see the horses progress. Um, I'll never forget she spent the night in the hospital with me when I broke my collarbone and my ribs. Yeah, you were like, I'm going home. Bruised your heart. Yeah, and, uh... and she stayed there with me the whole night. Um, but I think whenever someone passes away, like it was suddenly she had a, an aneurysm. But when someone passes away, I think you always learn something from them. 
And the one thing about Sue is she worked so hard and she was very talented at what she did and just a super hard worker. And I always wished that she had have just taken a little more time for herself and for her horses and to, to ride because she worked so much that she didn't get to ride that often. Yeah. So um, I think that's hard to strike that balance. It is. It's hard to, to find that balance. I, I feel very grateful to get to do what I love every day and to take that time, but I definitely need to do more of it. It's, it's finding the balance in life. And that's yeah. not, that's not so easy for most of us. Yeah. So then yesterday after the, the news, news. <laughs> then I went to the barn, I rode Harvey and then my groom, when I was getting ready to leave, he was like, you know, Harvey's not eating his grain. Like he does not look okay. And I'm really grateful to Jose for like taking the time to point that out. And I had the vet come out. So Harvey had a little bit of an impaction and a couple of things just like colic education for everyone is that if you give your horse banamine you should not feed your horse for 12 hours because what banamine does is that it is a muscle relaxant and it also takes the pain away and so if like harvey had an impaction and you give him banamine he wasn't eating because he was uncomfortable and his tummy hurt and he had an impaction so if you give him banamine, he's going to feel better and, and then want and want to eat. And then that's the worst thing because you're just putting more food in his system and then you're going to make it even worse. So the vet came out, um, they saw the impaction, they gave him some, they tubed him, gave him electrolytes, gave him some drugs. One thing, I don't know if you know this, but um Chestnut horses require a lot more drugs than other colors. Did you know that? I did not. And it's the same with um, red-haired people. Apparently, it's something about their metabolism, the way that they metabolize drugs. So she had to give Harvey like three times. Elephant dose? <laughs> yes, of sedation. Like she gave him sedation. She was like, wow, he's like not even asleep yet. And then she had to give it to him again three times before we could tube him. So chestnut horses need more sedation and he's not the most relaxed thing just in right. general state just like he's, he's on high alert yes. most of the time um so anyways then i was like not sleeping because you always worry about your horse when they're sick so i went to the barn at midnight to check on him and luckily knock on wood he seems fine but even today he was on very restricted food so he only got to have pellets in the morning, like soaked hay pellets in the morning, soaked hay pellets at lunch. And then I gave him a little and some green grass that can always be good. Like five minutes of green grass can help their stomach. Apparently there's a redhead in the group because they have the MC1R gene. Oh, wow. The MC1R gene. There we go. Yes. Yeah, so there, redheads redhead need more drugs. <laughs> um, but anyways, I'm glad Harvey's okay. I think it's hard this time of year with the like the weather changes and maybe he didn't drink enough water. Who knows? Well, but, it is cold, and that's yeah. what they say, right? It is. It's when the water's cold, they don't want to drink it. For you in the frozen part of the country, uh, it's difficult to get horses to drink water when it's so cold. Yeah, yeah, and I, that brings us to our next topic, which is inconsistency in the winter. And I think 
Everyone, let me know in the chat if you've been struggling with staying consistent. This winter in particular, it's been hard for us. Yeah, I didn't really, normally I don't pay much, but with um, Royal, um, yes. because he hadn't been getting a lot of work. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, finally he decided maybe he should lunge before yeah. he got on. And, and he, uh, it was a trenching competition and he tore <laughs> yeah. up the arena. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but it's been five days of regular work. And today it was, I mean, he was still a little, spi a little spicy, but not like he's been. Yeah. He's starting to settle down. Yeah. I mean, horses are very much creatures of habit. And so when they get locked in their stall for weeks at a time and they don't get to get out and walk and like do the things that they normally do, they go a little nuts. And that's where it's really important to do groundwork, to lunge a little, and also to know your horse, like to just know there are some horses, especially as horses get older and they're more trained, they do better with inconsistency and you kind of know like enough of like, okay, like Harvey, for example, he's 11. He does the Grand Prix when he's fresh. I know exactly what he's going to do and I know I can handle it with the five-year-old that I have in training. It's like, she's getting lunged because she's yeah. You don't she have was, a steering wheel. Yes. Yeah, she you was, got a gas pedal, but no brakes and no steering wheel. Yeah. She was bouncing around a lot today on the <laughs> lunge line. So um, definitely safety first. Let's see. Haven't ridden since November. There was um, one that hacking every day. Yeah. Christmas has been what us. We've had a few days from Christmas till now, but it looks like the weather's better. Oh, yeah. Lori has a covered arena, but missing the turnouts. I live in Canada struggling spring is coming guys that's Days all i have to longer. say yes Days it will yeah it will happen it will be here before you know it so the joys of winter okay questions callie how do you deal with show nerves i have the tendency to forget my test because i get so nervous my stupid brain just goes blank i was going to breathing breathing Breathing, um, deep cleansing breaths, you and the universe are one. Yeah. I think too, if you have someone read your test for you, you know, like if that, if you know that that's going to be a, oh, yeah. a stressful element for you, that, yeah. just have someone read your test, especially because showing is something that the more you do it, the, the better you get at it. I mean, I still get nervous, but, um, the more you do it, the more you kind of know what to expect. And there's nothing wrong with having someone read your test. If I'm stressed out about it, or if I'm writing a lot of tests in one day, and I just feel like it's going to worry me, then I just have someone read for me. Although you do have to listen to your reader. Herman had this client, he would read for her and she would go off course. Was, drove me crazy. Was, yeah. <laughs> Put that one down. Things that upset you, like, well, I'm, I, I'm <laughs> okay. not going down that road. It was a long time ago. I'm over it. Not really. It's still. Okay. Oh, this is a good one. Can you, this is from Christy. Can you explain inside leg to outside rain? And is it a constant aid or only at moments? My horse drifts outwards. And I wonder if I'm overriding the aid. This reminds me of what you're yelling at me today about on Luigi. I wasn't yelling. I had the microphone. I was speaking into the microphone. I wasn't yelling. Okay. So inside leg to outside rain, what's the purpose of it? 
Why do we ride inside leg to outside right? Because of the balance, because it brings the inside hind leg under and you turn with the outside aids. Yes. So inside leg to outside rein gets your horse uphill, gets your horse engaged, gets your horse supple, gets your horse straight. It's like the holy grail of dressage. Now the key though is that, and this is what I was, Herman was teaching me on Luigi. The key is that if you push your horse off the inside leg, but you don't have enough outside rein, then your horse just drifts out. And if you make inside leg to outside aids by pulling his head in, <laughs> then he falls off the line of travel to the outside. You've got to have outside rein, outside leg to receive what your inside leg is doing. Um, in one of the books, it talks about it's a hammer and an anvil. Your inside leg is the hammer, okay? Like in shoot, if you make shoes. So it's not constant, the inside leg push, release. Because you are you have to allow for the horse's ribs to, to expand when they breathe. So you use your leg, you don't. You use your, But on the outside, it's there, and that's the anvil. And so you use the inside leg, and, and so that you get into the rib cage, and the horse stays straight on the line of travel. Where's the camera? Straight on the line of travel, and it's not this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and I think it's something that once you, you know, you shouldn't be always having tons of pressure on your horse. It should be kind of like once your horse is inside leg to outside rein, you Leave should it. have a light, steady contact on your outside rein. And then if you feel your horse fall in, you apply your inside leg. So it's not something you should be doing all the time. Well, you're not holding your horse in that frame. Well, as Martin says, you're holding without holding. It's very zen. But you have to hold without blocking them is the point. Okay, here's another question from Chantel, because it's fitness month. For those of you guys in strides, yes, it's fitness month. What types of exercises have you found that help with riding? I know Pilates does, but what do you do for cardio? What types of fitness might hinder riding? Okay, yeah, um, bodybuilding, like building mass, not <laughs> I really tried good. that. <laughs> not good for horseback good. riding because you really need to stay. I mean, you need to be fit, but you know. You need to be strong, mass. but like bodybuilding, you get like too tight. Yeah. So you need to be strong and flexible and straight. And cardio, um, I, I swim and I run on the, on the elliptical machine because I don't really want to hit the ground because... I don't know that my knees are going to take it and I still run horses in hand and I sprint with them and everything like that. But, um, as part of my workout, I want to lessen the impact on my body. Yeah. So let's see, someone's doing Pilates now, CrossFit yoga with weightlifting. I think honestly, though, it's like one thing that I'm working with all my stride students with this month is just do something like whatever it is that you enjoy doing. Like you like to swim. Love to swim. I like to take like just before this, I took Levi for a run because I like that and it makes me happy and it makes my body feel good. Um, or I'll ride the bicycle and read on my phone. So just do whatever you're going to do and you're going to do it consistently, even hand walking your horse. Like if you really power walk, with your horse 20 minutes that's great for you it's great for your horse that's um true. but yeah pilates yoga are great some weightlifting um something is better than nothing that's my philosophy okay 
Um, next question, let's see, is from Heather. My horse starts nibbling all over me when he doesn't want to do something. It's so cute, but it's an amazing yeah. maneuver. So he knows that you think it's cute. Just saying. How do I get him to stop that? This stop thinking it's cute. <laughs> I mean, you know it's cute, but you can't act like block Where I'm working on getting him to stand and not fly his butt away, which is the second part of my question. How can I get him to stop from doing that? Walking away from the block as soon as I get on him. Um, I woe him hard and he steps two or three steps away. Okay, so yeah, first of all, if your horse is mouthy and like nibbling all of, over you, it's really not that cute because they can bite you and it's just kind of a sign of disrespect. When I used to work for the um, for the Western cowboy people, they were like, can you imagine if you were at a party and someone like came up and just started like going, like nibbling all over you? Like, what would you do? You'd like whack him in the face and be like, stop it. Back up, pal. <laughs> yeah. So don't let your horse um, do that. And so when- and to how not to do that, right? So I lift my hands, I push my horse, I make them back out of my space. Yeah. That's... And don't hand feed them. Horses are not like dogs. You don't need to hand feed them. Put put their cookies in their bucket at the end of the ride. Um, and then, so when your horse, when you lead your horse up to the mounting block and they want to like move their butt away from you, um, I, I cover this in the Groundwork Masterclass. But basically, if your horse like moves away from the mounting block, Normally what I do is I make them back up. I make them like turn some circles kind of aggressively. I make it difficult for them when they're away from the mounting block. And then when they go and stand in the mounting block, then I like pet them and tell them they're good. So make it good for them when they're at the mounting block. If they decide to leave, like if they turn or back up, make them back up, make them like turn circles, make it difficult for them and then um, lead them back to the mounting block and, and really praise them. Off. Yeah, really praise them. Um, everything that you do with horses is about pressure and release. Make the wrong thing difficult, make the right thing easy. I think that's the most important. Okay. Um, yes, so weak hands, very weak effort. So if you guys didn't watch my YouTube video this week, it was a good one. It was really popular. It was called weak hands. Any ideas? No. You don't know. You don't know the know. secret. So Isabel Worth, I was reading an article. I love reading dressage articles. And there was an article about Isabel Worth. And she, English isn't her first language. She's German, right? right. Her English is pretty good. But she was describing that when you ride, you're, you should feel like your hands are weak. And you need to use more your seat and your legs. And I thought that was really yeah, good. That's a great image. Image goes to, back to what we were saying. You know, you hear things, but then you hear it a slightly different way and it makes yeah. a better or clearer picture. Okay, here's a good question from Facebook. Could you talk a bit about weighting seat bones in the saddle? I hear sit to the inside, and I've also heard in the direction of travel with a lateral movement. Okay, that's a good question. So the reason that you want to sit on your inside seat bone a little more when you're doing a turn or when you're doing ladder Shoulder work in. is because it puts your weight over the horse's center of gravity. And 
horses like dressage is hard for horses it's hard enough for them so you want to do everything that you can to help your horse for example if you're turning to like the right and you're leaning to the left your horse has to pick up your weight and then carry you in the turn but if you're sitting a little more on your inside seat bone it makes it a lot easier for your horse to maneuver through the turn or through the lateral work do you agree that's it so how do you weight your seat bone? Because um, you don't want to leave. When it doesn't happen naturally, like when Amelia is looking at me going, you're falling off to the left, I have to visualize moving my hips over and so that I line my hip over my inside foot and not lean, but actually move yeah. that yeah. way. So Your I stay seat straight, has to move over. but I slide over. Yeah. Because on Royal, you tell me that all the time. Yeah. And so I feel good here. She says I'm sitting to the outside. So I keep my spine straight and I slide my butt over my right foot because it doesn't happen on the other side. It just happens to the right. So anyway, that's that's the picture in my head. I'm straight, but I slide over my right foot. I heard someone say once, imagine that you're like your seat bones have feet and you walk them over. Yeah, because the, the you do. You kind of. Yeah. But you don't want to lean like it, yeah, it shouldn't this be is so, terrible yeah. because now you're you're sitting even more to the outside yeah so you've got to like actually sometimes you actually have to stand up in the saddle and then like sit back down again yes i've done that, that where you lift up move yeah. over and then come back down i've done that and i would say the most typical thing is that riders sit to the left and collapse to the right and it could be, I think part of it starts that because you get on the left side, you pull your saddle to the left. And if you don't fix that, if you don't get your saddle straight and get your girth tight, then your whole ride, you're like sitting to the left. Do you want to know something really funny? It's kind of stupid, but it's funny. So the first time I saw them do the roping, you know, and the healer has to get off on the wrong side of the horse. I was like, oh my God. I've been riding a long time. Have, have you ever tried to get on from the opposite side? When I had knee surgery, I had it on my <laughs> left knee and Q and I, right? I tried to get on. He got scared. I got scared. I just, whatever. I took the bad leg and clambered up because I tried it off my right leg. And the, my, it's like my, so brain, awkward. my brain wouldn't let me just, yeah. Kept, I was spinning. It was, yeah, I need more practice on that side. It was. <laughs> It was terrible and I scared Q and I was like, whatever, I'll just climb up the fence and hop on. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, I used to have to do it a lot when I um when I did young horses because I would always like want to get on, make sure they were comfortable on both sides. So anyways. Okay, one more question. My horse tends to dive his head down, either way to evade or maybe as a sign of discomfort. How can I help him realize a correct position? is most comfortable for both of us, mostly in the walk, occasionally in the truck. Transitions. Dive his head down. Focus on your seat too, because if your horse wants to dive their head down, a lot of times it pulls you forward and you and pull more on your hands. Yeah, so if your you, horse dives down, sit back, focus on your seat. You need to resist that a little bit. You know, ride that half halt, open yourself up the glove thing you've been doing. I was going to say, yeah. put your shoulder blades back, but we're not doing that anymore. It's yeah, that's in the strides content so this month. The you, gloves you need secret. to resist that and not just give into it 
that's how you tell, show the horse that that's not where he's supposed to go. Like yeah. Amelia was saying earlier, you make him not want to be down there because there's that resistance. And then when he picks himself up, then there's the softness. All right, everyone. I think it's time for us to have dinner. Dinner's good. Dinner's good. Good night now. This was super fun though. And um, thank you guys for joining. If you are in strides or in the groundwork masterclass, I'll be doing office hours this weekend. So I have a More long, work. I have a long Zoom day on Sunday. For strides, we have video review at noon. For groundwork, we have video review at 1:30. Thank you to everyone who is either in strides or the groundwork masterclass. It's super fun to get to work with you guys. And we'll see you all next Thursday night. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for all of your awesome questions. And I hope you learned something new from listening. If you're new to the podcast and you'd like a question answered on a future one, get on touch on Facebook through Amelia's Dressage Club, Instagram at Amelia Newcomb Dressage, or YouTube at Amelia Newcomb Dressage, and mark the question for the live sessions. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please share it, review it, and tune in again next week. Thanks so much and happy riding.